Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. How many of you like it when somebody's on your side? You know, you have enough people out telling you what's wrong, what's right, all this kind of telling you how to do stuff. Don't you just love it? Everybody has a suggestion. Now with social media, everybody has an opinion. And their opinion is you're wrong. Right? We all love for somebody to be on our side. We like for somebody. Uh, Joyce Landorfer in an old book years ago called them balcony. You know, you want to have balcony people. You want to have people that lift you up, that believe in you, that tell you the truth. But you know, even if it hurts your feelings, that they're telling you because they love you, because they're for you. There's a lot of things that goes on in our lives that we always wonder, God, who's for me? Where is it? I've got so good news this morning. I love, this is my favorite subject. His name is Jesus. And I want to talk to you this morning. We're talking about covenant. And last week I told you that, that our Bibles divide kind of, it's not even equally. There's this Old Covenant, Old Testament, and then there's the New, New Testament, the New Covenant. And have you noticed that the Old Covenant's a lot thicker than the New? And, and the whole idea is, why did God, why would God want to be interested in covenant? God instituted covenant because when man had sinned and died in their sin and was separated from God, God uses covenant to bring man back to himself, to get man to trust him again. Because when man sinned, he lost trust, he lost relationship with God. There's at least six covenants that God made in the old covenant trying to get man back to trust him. The idea is that we would know our creator. You would think that would be easy enough, but 6,000 years later, we're still to, got the same problem. We're still trying to find out how to trust our creator. And last year, we, we looked at the old covenant Basically, the, the Mosaic Law, because we found out two things. One, it's absolutely indispensable to what God's doing. And the other thing, it's absolutely insufficient for us to know God fully and completely the way He intends. It's indispensable because God gave it. It revealed His character, His holiness, His standard. It's insufficient because man couldn't keep it. It exposed man's problem, but provided no power to deal with it. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant is like an x-ray. An x-ray. It can reveal the problem. It can show what's inside, what's invisible. But it provides no power to heal the disease. Well, is the law evil then? No. It's, It's holy and its light exposes man's darkness. Is the law opposed to grace? No more than an x-ray is opposed to healing. The doctors use the x-ray to discover the problem in order to find the solution. The law could not provide that which would enable man to keep covenant. It just revealed how far man is removed from his creator. Romans 3.20 It says, for no one, no one 
No one, I'm emphasizing that, not one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The purpose of the law was to bring us to realize that we needed something. We had a problem. We needed someone. We needed a better man. (laughs) We actually needed a better covenant based on better promises because we couldn't keep it. And that's where a better man comes in. A man prophesied all the way through the old. His name was Jesus. We're calling him this morning the man in the middle. Because when Jesus came into being, came into to this earth, he changed everything. So Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the old covenant had completed its task, when God saw that the time was right, the old covenant has, and listen, the old covenant did do its job because there was Simeon waiting for this. He had a prophecy from God. He had a promise from God. He would not die until he saw the Messiah. So the old covenant had showed them their need and Simeon was looking for him. In Matthew and chapter Luke, and, and Luke, both of those tell us about the coming of the Lord Jesus. But here in Galatians, Paul gets this revelation. When that full time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, like all of us. Fully human. Born under the law. What that meant was born under the covenant. Born into the covenant. Born a Jew. Born into covenant. Born under the Mosaic law. Born in covenant. That's important because what Jesus was born into had actually been made before the foundation of the world. When He, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit entered into a binding obligation of covenant. It's called the everlasting covenant. It's about three sermons back. Jesus comes... And enters in what he had already promised. To keep covenant. Jesus came, born the way he was born, to do what we couldn't do. Keep covenant. First Timothy 5, 6. Excuse me. First Timothy 2, 5. Says, for there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I want you to note the word mediator. It's found only six times in Scripture in the New Testament. Three of those times is in Hebrews. Hebrews 8, 6 says this, But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, insomuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. Note This, a better covenant and better promises. That's what we've got in the new covenant. Better covenant 
and better promises. Jesus came as the mediator. The mediator. If we're to understand the glory of the new covenant. See, I thought I was going to talk about the new covenant today, but I had to talk about Jesus first. You're going to have to wait till next Sunday to hear about the better covenant based on better promises. But if we're to understand how that can be, you've got to understand the word mediator. The Greek word is mesitis. I pronounce that different every time I pronounce it. So would you all pronounce it for me? It's right there. Come on. That sounds good to me. It means one who intervenes between two. It's one who comes between two parties who otherwise could not commune with each other. It's a middleman, a go-between. Now that sounds simple. Well, all we've got to do is get these two together, right? It's not. How many of you have ever had a, two friends? You're a friend to both of them, but they're not friends with each other. Have you ever had two of your friends be estranged, separated? And maybe it's just on one, one's part. Maybe it's not on both parts. Maybe it's just on one part. But you're in the middle of it. How many of you know that most people in the middle die? You get killed. And while you're trying to be the mediator, they both get mad at you. But that's, here's the point I'm trying to make. What do you have to be? You have to be, here's the thing about a mediator. He has to be intimately acquainted with both. He has to know what this one wants and what standards this one has. And he knows what this one lacks. And he knows what they've got to live up to. He's in between. The man in the middle. You see, there was a God who was holy. Who had a standard. And there was man who couldn't live up to that standard. And Jesus is the man in the middle who understands and knows God because he is, and he understands and knows our weakness because he is. He's our man in the middle. And it makes all the difference in the world. And you can understand why you can trust God now because there's somebody who stood in the middle ground for you. That's what we want to talk about this morning. You see, you don't want to be a referee between the two. You'll just, all a referee can do is blow his whistle, call the foul, but he can't change the game. What you want to be is a peacemaker. One who can bring the two back together so that they can be one again. And it changes everything. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. We think it's just about feeling good. No, He's the Prince. He's the author and the finisher of the one who brought us back together. He's the one. See, here's the problem. If you're just a referee, you're just a band-aid. You might get them talking, but they still don't like each other. You've got to bring them together. It's called reconciliation. You see, here's the thing. God versus man. We don't realize how estranged mankind apart from God really is. We're poles apart. Folks, listen. What you're seeing in our world is normal. That's how much man hates God. We don't want His standards. We don't want... See, we don't even call it God. We call it rules. 
When I say we, I'm talking about mankind apart from God. Ever since Adam, man has this inbred resistance and even hostility between God, between God and His standards. We struggle with all the basic issues of who God is and what He does and what He's demanded and what He said. And we wish that He didn't even exist, and so we have atheists who say that He doesn't. And if He did exist, we have people that are agnostic that just don't believe He's really involved. Because you see, if you have to, if you admit that there is a God, you admit that His standard is right. So, Houston, we got a problem. So, man apart from God disdains God's sovereignty, resists His authority, quarrels with His justice, rebels against His laws, rejects His decrees, and even despises His mercies. Have you ever noticed how much God gets blamed for? If anything goes wrong in our world, it's God's fault. If anything goes wrong in your life, God, why did you make me this way? Why didn't you make me different? You see, we blame Him because we have this animosity against anything that would... Because what really... Wouldn't you like me to finish a sentence before I start the next one? What we really want is we want to be God ourselves. And if we're not going to be God ourselves, at least we want God to do what we want Him to do, when we want Him to do it, and how we want Him to do it. We wouldn't say we hate God, we just want Him to be like me. And He can't be. Everything comes from God. (laughs) So consciously or unconsciously, outwardly or inwardly, we have this tendency to fight against this God. Even when we know better, everything comes from God and is altogether good. He gives rain on the just and the unjust, but we're like the dog who bites the hand of the one who feeds him. We're like the employee that... Steals from his employer. Now just think about that for a moment. This guy's paying your salary and you're going to steal from him? Just think of the logic. We have one who's promised to meet our every need and we're going to complain? A guest who is ungrateful to their host? Folks, man apart from Christ is without hope and helpless in remedying his own situation. On God's part, he's holy and loving, he's righteous, he's true, he must keep his word. Folks, listen to me. God would cease to be God if he didn't hold up to his own standard of his character. He can't just let it go because he wouldn't be God. He cannot lie. He said the soul that sins will die. It wasn't a condemnation. It was a declaration of truth. He told Adam, in the day you eat of it, you're going to die. 
Paul says the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. God's justice demanded death for sin. He cannot act contrary to his character. God is also loving and he's gracious and he's merciful. And he desires to act in the highest good of mankind. Folks, when man turned away from God, God turned toward man. Six times in the Old Testament, he cut covenant with them. Trying to get them to trust him. Trying to get them to see that they cannot do it without him. You do realize the Old Testament is telling you, you can't do it. Well, how could, I, how could God act true to his character, be just, and show gracious mercy at the same time? That's where Jesus comes in. Don't make two statements in this God versus man. Number one is only God can deal with sin and Satan. Only God can deal with sin and Satan. Only God. Because sin is a violation of his character. Only God could act to counteract that which Satan has done in man. Only by his omnipotent power could he overcome him who has the power of death, that is the devil. Hebrews 2.14 Only God can deal with sin. Number two, only man can die for sin. (laughs) We got a problem. Only God can deal with it and only man can die for it. God has a solution. His name is Jesus. What I want you to do is I want you to walk out of here this morning so in love, so enraptured, so caught up with this Jesus. Because you owe everything to him. Everything. So let's look at it. Galatians 4, 4. If a man was going to be saved... God was going to have to take the initiative. So Galatians 4, 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem, buy back, ransom those who were under the law, who couldn't do any. That we might receive the adoptions of. When God in his wisdom, the time had come, God sent forth out of himself his son, Born of a woman, a human being, just like all of us are born. Born under the law, subservient to the covenant of God. To redeem, to buy back the slaves by ransom who were under the bondage and penalty and judgment of the law. Jesus Christ is uniquely qualified to be the mediator. Why? Because only Jesus fully and perfectly identifies with God and man. That's because in his one person, he is both a divine nature and a human nature. First of all, Jesus is the Son of God. As the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ is truly and fully God. He is equal in every way to the Father. Having all the attributes and perfection of God. But he didn't hold on. He didn't count those things as something to be grasped. But he let go and came to be man. Manifest. First, it's Titus 2.13. 
He's called the great God and our Savior. 1 John 5.20, He's called the true God. In Isaiah 9.6, He's called the mighty God. Romans 9.5, He's called the eternally blessed God who is over all. 1 Corinthians 2.8 says He's the Lord of glory. Paul said in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the, invi- is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And Jesus himself declared, I and the Father are one. He's the Son of God. He is God. He has the divine nature, though he set it aside in order that he might become the Son of Man. Isn't it amazing when you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus said he calls himself the Son of Man. We call him the Son of God. He calls himself the Son of Man. He wanted us to understand he was fully identifying with us. While we could identify him with God, he was fully identifying with us. And there was a reason. He was the son of man. At the same time, he was completely God. He is a complete and perfect human being. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 Jesus has a real... Now listen to me, I said that in present tense. Jesus has a real human body. He was resurrected physically with a glorified body. There was no body in the grave. He came out of the grave human, though glorified, different. Resurrection life. Jesus has a human body, and a real human soul. John wrote in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, he said, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. At one and the same time, Jesus Christ is the unique person, the mediator, that as both God and man is equal in dignity with God and perfect in sympathy with man. You say, well, how do you know, preacher? Hebrews 2.14 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. That says he kept covenant we couldn't keep. He did it. He was the man God had intended every man to be. He kept where Adam had broken and Adam all die. Christ has kept it in Christ all who are in Him, are made alive. The Lord Jesus not only perfectly identifies with both God and man, He perfectly represents God to us. And He represents us to God in a way that no other man could. He is our mediator. And Hebrews ten twelve says, But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever... Set down at the right hand of God. Folks, there is a man seated at at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a resurrected human seated 
at the right hand of God. You've got to get this. Man is already in heaven. Ephesians says we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. When we come to trust Jesus, everything that Jesus has accomplished is put to our account. And we are put in Him and He comes to be in us. He is our middle man who stands in the place of every one of us who trust in Him. Jesus actually brings God and man back together. It's called reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19 For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Jesus settles every dispute and controversy between you and God. He resolves every problem and every difficulty between you and God. He puts away all of our sins and turns away all God's wrath. So that God is not just satisfied with Jesus. He's not just satisfied with His sacrifice. He is pleased with every sinner that believes in and receives Jesus. He said, well, Richard, that just can't be. I don't live right. I don't act right. Let me tell you something. If God was waiting on you to behave right, if He is waiting on you to do everything right, you'd be in a big pile of doo-doo. <laughs> now you're listening to me. You know why? Because we think it's theological. It's actual. Your behavior does not separate you from God anymore. It separates you from fellowship. Separates you. God's not separated from you. God's not going anywhere. Because He accomplished it. He settled it. He finished it. He did everything on the cross of Calvary. And it's made for you. He's for you. You say, preacher, you mean he doesn't care about my behavior? Not for righteousness. He cares about your behavior because it represents his son. He doesn't want you to behave right so you'll get right. He wants you to behave right because you are right. He's your middle man. Well, preacher, just, that means just anybody can go do anything they want to. Folks, listen to me. If you know Jesus and you know how much he loved you and he know, you know how much he gave for you, why would you want to? That that doesn't say anything about God. It says everything about you. Do you have just a religious relationship with God because you did fulfill some prescription somebody told you? Or do you have a relationship with the living Lord Jesus who is Himself the middleman between you and God? And everything God does for you, He does in the name of His Son. And everything you are to do for Him, you're to do in the name of His Son. Jesus is the middleman that makes everything right. I could get excited. The reason I can get excited is because He's that for me. You don't know how often I blow it. My wife does. (laughs) 
And if I got down on myself every time I blew it, if I got felt like I was out of relationship with God every time I, I made a mistake or every time I sinned, I want to tell you something. I'd be that way all the time. Here's what you got to do. You got to know, man, I blew it. Thank you, Jesus. You never did. I don't trust in me. I trust in you. That's the new covenant, the better covenant based on better promises that God has promised to do something in me, through me, with me, that I could never be on my own. Jesus is our middleman. He didn't just die on a cross 2,000 years ago and leave us in the lurch. He is seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Intercession is not just prayer. It's standing in the gap. That today, at the right hand of the throne of God, Jesus is representing you to the Father. How righteous are you? As much as Jesus is. Preacher, I don't believe that. That's your problem. Not his problem. He's accomplished it. He's finished it. He's seated. Cathedzo, it means seated because there's nothing more to do. You have a mediator. He's the man in the middle. He stands in your stead before the Father. And He stands before the Father as you. He has your best in mind. And He ain't quitting. He said it was important that I go away. Because if I go away, I couldn't send. If I don't go away, I can't send the one who would be with you all the time. And so he went to sit down in order that he might send for someone who would stand up in you. He sat down that the Holy Spirit would stand up in you and conform you to the image of his son, Jesus. You see, the whole plan of God is to make you what he always intended you to be. A son. A daughter. And by the blood of Jesus, He's adopted you into His own family and He's made you as Jesus to Himself. He's left nothing out. He, he will bring to the, you to the Father and He represents you. He represents you to the Father and He represents the Father to you. He's, he's left nothing out. He's paid the price in full. Sin has been defeated. Death has been conquered. The only question that remains is, do you trust Him? Will you let Him be to you what He said He would be? Will you let Him be? Listen, by His Spirit, He will fulfill everything the Father demands of you. Will you trust Him? I saw that out of the corner of my eye. We're glad you're here.
My desire for you is that you understand that Jesus is your security before the Father. And Jesus is God's guarantee that you're okay with Him. That's the guarantee. That's covenant. And next week, we're going to see the better covenant with better promises. It's ours. You don't want to miss next Sunday. I'm going to get more excited. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. He's my middle man. He stands with me and I stand in him. I'm right. Not because of me. but Because of him. I'm filled. I didn't have to do anything for it. It's a gift of God. All I had to do is trust Him. Do you trust Him? How do I do that? Trust Him. Well, I just don't know. Surely there's something I must do. Yeah, there is. Trust Him. You've got to let Him do it. You've got to receive it. You've got to count it as true. Then you've got to take a step out on it. And find out you can walk on water. The impossible is possible with the God who loves you. Because he's accomplished it. Trust him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I bless you and I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. For just Thank you for the calling that you've given me to stand and speak of this Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity, the joy that I get from declaring his name. Holy Spirit, would you wake us up? Would we become a woke people to the reality of the God of covenant who keeps his promises? That we have an opportunity to live and be conformed to the very image of his son. It's not an impossible work. It's a possible work because of what you've accomplished. Lord, let us discover it and walk in it. Father, if there's one here this morning that's never trusted you, may they be filled with faith today. May they walk out of here in love with the Jesus who he himself will fulfill it. Father, may you have your work and way in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus who's accomplished it. In the name of Jesus who is our mediator. We thank you and praise you. Amen. May it be so in us. Would you stand together with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.